This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Judy Cho, and I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. I work with clients to get to root cause healing, and oftentimes that is using a meat based elimination diet for gut healing. Okay, so today is another QA. I have a ton of questions to get through, so I'm going to try to make this quick. Okay, so debating people with vitamin A, liver, sugar, fruit on carnivore, repeat, etc. I will say that I have actually asked people to come on my channel. That are pro eating liver、um, very often, and some of the people have declined. There is one interview that I did with Chris Masterjohn. It was a written interview where he talks a little bit about liver consumption. He does say that if you don't have the best liver health, that maybe consuming too much liver may not be a good thing.、Um, I will put in the links the written interview so you can read the full interview. But in general, he says maybe one ounce or、um, with a little bit more vitamin A may not be too bad. but He's not definitive about that. You guys can watch my other interviews and、uh, my blog post to see where I stand with vitamin A. In terms of sugar and fruit on carnivore, I think it's really bio individual.、Um, I've done so much content on that as well. So I will link to a podcast where I talk about fruit on carnivore and some other interviews I've done. So just make sure to check out the show notes. I just want to make clear though that I have. Requested people to come on my channel and they are well known people and they have declined.、Um, and I get it. It's, you know, we will have differing opinions and maybe it's just awkward. Maybe they're just busy and I'm just not sure. But yes, I, I have asked. So I don't want to make it seem like、um, I am just interviewing people or talking to people that have the same opinion of me. I actually try to interview a variety of people and If you guys have been following my work on YouTube, then you know that I interview a host of people that are not just carnivore, that are not just keto. And it's because I really am trying to find for our community the best levers to pull to get to optimal health. Okay. Upon certification, what did you disagree with the test? They asked a ton of plant questions.、Um, two of the big books we had to read, and it was like this thick, and it's literally an encyclopedia. It's on herbals and how to use herbals to heal and treat and using vegetables. 
And those books are very anti-meat. Um, they recommend less than 5% of your diet being from meat. So that's the kind of stuff I disagree with. Uh, moving on, probiotics, good for autoimmune related patients. So it depends. So autoimmune in a nutshell is that if you have any gut permeability, and then there are some proteins from your gut, from your food that go into your bloodstream, and then your immune system will tag those proteins that are very similar to other organs or other proteins in your body. We don't understand all the nuances. So sometimes there are thoughts where autoimmune is just defined as everything that the rest of the Western medicine cannot define, but a lot of times it stems from gut health imbalances. So probiotics is a step in healing autoimmune or supporting autoimmune, I'd say, but it really depends on what is imbalanced in your gut. I don't think probiotics alone will fix everything. Um, and it depends on what probiotics. So I will link to my probiotic kit, but there's lactobacillus bifidotypes, and then there's spore probiotics, and then there's or soil based, and then there's also saccharomyces. So they're all different. They all play different roles. Um, You can read what all the different probiotics do. Now, if you have a sensitive immune system, you may not be able to tolerate the probiotics right away. So that's just something to consider. I'd say that a lot of my clients can handle the microbiome megaspore, which is a spore-based, soil-based probiotic, but not everyone can. So I can't say as a blanket statement that everyone can tolerate it because they can't. Um, and that's just the whole truth. That's where bioindividuality really matters. Can you improve gut health so you aren't histamine intolerant? With carnivore, it's a little bit tricky. So the carnivore diet itself lends itself to eating more histamine-rich foods. In general, if you are eating less toxins in your diet with whether it's glyphosate foods, GMO foods, plant foods that have anti-nutrients, whatever the case may be, if your load of processed foods are less and you have a less of an immune response, then you can actually heal the gut, heal the immune system to just become stronger and focus on actual things to support. Um, Then over time with maybe some gut healing supports and eating the right meats for you to then activate the immune system less, then I have a lot of clients that are less histamine intolerant. Not everyone, for sure, but there are people that with a carnivore diet using the right gut healing supports and um, refining the diet so that it's a less of an attack on the immune system that they can then support their histamine response better. Fiber on carnivore, is it important for gut health? No. So um, I know a lot of people will say that you need a little bit of fiber, even on a gut uh, carnivore diet for proper gut health. What I can tell you is I've done so many stool tests where they will um, check the short chain fatty acids and I'll pull one up. Okay. So these are two different stool tests and I'm just showing the short chain fatty acids. So basically we are recommended to eat plant foods that are rich in short chain fatty acids that then convert the plant fibers to short chain fatty acids like butyrate, acetate, propionate, valerate. And so this person eats a hundred percent carnivore diet and you see nothing is outside of the range. This person eats carnivore. Now they do add some plant foods, but I don't know if in this specific test that they were eating the plant foods, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're a little low in their butyrate. Now this person has added some probiotics and even added a little bit of gut healing supports, but in general, 
just from these two tests. Now I know these are just two samples, but still it just shows you, you can actually have a healthy stool analysis with the short chain fatty acids without eating plant foods. So, so overall, I don't think it's just that you need to eat fibrous foods that then produce the short chain fatty acids. We can get some from dairy and butter, but in general, I think we just don't know enough, but you can eat a carnivorous diet, work on gut health and still have a healthy amount of short chain fatty acids, even to the degree that is defined by a standard American diet. If you are concerned, you can always take the stool test. I will give you a link below. I don't know if it's really necessary unless your gut is imbalanced. Is coffee and sparkling water okay on a carnivore diet? I have a blog post that talks very specifically about caffeine. And then I also have one on sparkling water. And um, Laura and I have done a podcast on what to drink on carnivore and what is ideal versus real life. So I would recommend listening to the podcast as well as looking into the specific blog posts. Do calories matter for weight loss and gain? Yes. Um, I came to this diet thinking that calories do not matter if you don't, if you remove carbs. So if you remove carbs, then you can eat all the meat and fat in the world and you won't gain weight. And that's just not true. It's not a true statement at all. Obviously we have certain amount of calories that our body needs to thrive and we need fat for hormones and proteins for health as well. But if you eat a surplus of calories, especially if you've been under eating a lot of your life and um, you're not able to use enough of the calories for optimal health, then there is a period that you actually may gain some weight. Um, I did a great talk with Robert Sykes about the specifics of refeeding and reverse dieting um, to get your metabolism to take in more calories and not gain a ton of weight. I definitely recommend watching or listening to that. Um, but yes, calories do matter. If you eat in excess, you will gain weight. Now, there are people that have under eaten their whole lives. And so there may be a period that you have to gain weight in order to have your metabolism function at a normal caloric amount. But if you've been eating like 1200 calories or even 1400 calories your whole life, and now you're trying to eat 2000, you are going to gain weight likely, but it doesn't have to be forever. And so if you want to get to optimal health sometimes, and this is where knowing your bio individual story really matters. If you've been under eating most of your life, if you want true healing, there may be a period of weight gain or weight stall, but after you can heal and you can be at a weight that your body wants. But the short answer is that yes, calories do matter. Do you work out or strain train? So yes, I do. I work out about four times a week now. Um, when my boys are at jujitsu, we'll take a quick trip to the gym and I'll do maybe 20 minutes of cardio and then like five to 10 minutes of uh, dry sauna. And then on other days, I'll do light weights um, or I'll do body strength training, such as like squats and burpees. Um, I don't do a lot of that, but in general, I do try to strength train. And in the summer, I've been swimming a lot. So if you guys can tell that I'm a little bit tanner, it's only because I've been in the sun a lot more. So yes, I think exercise is very important, especially strength training for longevity, for preserving muscle mass. But I also think um, cardio is still good. I know that in the ketogenic carnivore space, we don't really uh, reward cardio exercise, but I think it's good for heart health. And I, I just like it. It releases um, endorphins and it makes me happier. So there's like a 20 minute quick workout makes me feel happier. And so for that, I do it. Experience with low carb plus meat versus zero carb. 
I have never done low carb with meat. Um, I was ketogenic and so I was eating a plant-based keto diet. So I would do lots of salad greens with a ton of olive oil. And sometimes I would add a little bit of tuna or salmon. And, and that was my diet when I was doing a ketogenic diet, I got to one of my leanest weights, but I think I was under eating because I was not used to eating a ton of fat and then adding all that olive oil made me full very quickly. Um, and then I just went to carnivore. So I went from one end to another and I did zero carb because any bit of carbs would trigger me to kind of binge and all of that. But nowadays I try to add a little bit of veggies just to see. Sometimes I'll try a little bit of kimchi. Sometimes I'll try a little bit of sweetener. Sometimes I'll try a little bit of real sugars. And, um, there are some foods I can tolerate some foods that I'm less than ideal. I feel my best when I eat zero carb. That is an absolute truth for me. When I need to work hard, I am in full ketosis and I feel my best. Um, I guess lately I've been trying to dabble with a little bit of carbs. Um, I do it more for metabolic flexibility than for optimal health. So I would say personally for me that a very strict ketogenic zero carb diet makes me feel my best performs my best and gives me the most energy and wellness. But that doesn't mean that it's for everybody. There are some people that do better with a little bit of carbs. My mom, for example, eats avocado occasionally has no issue with this. She feels fine. So, um, I don't think there's a one diet answer for everyone. For me personally, I like eating zero carbs or close to it because I feel my best. And so for the person asking this, um, do you feel better with a little bit of carbs added? Do that for about a week, eat maybe the same carbs and consistently and see how your energy is, how your sleep, your mood, and then try it without, and then see how you feel. And that's how you'll know for you specifically, if a low carb or a zero carb or a ketogenic version of carbohydrates is the answer for you. Carbs during menopause. So I don't think you need carbs at all for menopause, for hormones, for thyroid. I don't think you do. One, thyroid is made from proteins and so tyrosine and iodine. And then there's a cleave off of one iodine to then produce T3. Um, You need good liver health to do that. So if your liver is under functioning, then obviously that will impair your thyroid function. You also need good gut health because some of the T3 is also converted in the gut and even your medication is converted in the gut. If you lean on the endocrine system a lot for hormonal balance and for cortisol and blood sugar regulation, what ends up happening during the shift to menopause is that your ovaries are like, okay, I'm not going to make any more of the sex hormones. I'm giving it over to the adrenals. And so if your adrenals have already been taxed by producing a lot of cortisol, it will be like, I can't take on this extra load of now making hormones. So then there's this shift of hot flashes and mood irregularities, waking, because now the endocrine system, the adrenals are taking one extra load of work when it's already managing a lot, especially with excess cortisol output. So When you are adding carbs, when you're going through this, if you have blood sugar dysregulation, then you will be leaning on your cortisol even more to balance blood sugar. So in general, it's better not to eat a lot of carbs. But again, this is bio-individual. If you cannot sleep at all without carbohydrates, then maybe that is a healthy band-aid to use so that you can sleep through the night and then you could detox and feel rejuvenated for the next day. And then your cortisol is lower when you wake up. This is where it really depends, but I don't have clients that need carbohydrates to get through menopause. It's actually quite the opposite. High fat will support cortisol, but the core issue is that you need to lower your cortisol levels overall and not. Hey. 
Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Use the stress response to function on a daily basis. And if that means to reduce stressors in your life, uh, reduce some sugars, um, those are all things to help reduce the level of cortisol. Perimenopause and spotting more often than not, should I add more fat? Yeah, I don't know why you're spotting. Um, If you're brand new to carnivore, that can cause imbalances in hormones. But yes, um, fat is always an ideal lever to use when you are working on your hormones, because the sex hormones, a lot of the sex hormones, cortisol, they are all cholesterol derived hormones. They're steroids that are produced from cholesterol, which is fat. Carnivore help with chronic kidney disease. Carnivore in general, the biggest thing it does is it removes a lot of toxins from your food so that then the overall toxic load in your body is less. So if you have chronic kidney disease from whatever else, whether it's excess sugar that was in your body, that's causing issues, um, diabetes, for example, or it's some other thing that's an excess load on your body. Well, then reducing carbohydrates and eating cleaner foods, less seed oils, less processed foods will help the overall process. There's no guarantee that it'll fix your kidney issues, but it can possibly support a lot of the kidney imbalances because again, you're fueling your body with good stuff and reducing a lot of the toxic load. A carnivore for SIBO. Um, so I have a whole interview about carnivore for SIBO and how it was more effective than using antibiotics and um, using an elemental diet. So I will link to that. Um, it can absolutely help. Now, I don't think carnivore by itself may just be the answer. You might need supplements. You might need other things like herbals, for example, to help with SIBO. But you can always start with just a meat-based diet and see how it works. But I would check out interview as well as check out the study that comes with the interview. Experience with or anecdotes with people improving PTSD on carnivore. Yes. So um, a lot of mental health can be supported with a higher fat carnivore diet. Now, if you have stress and trauma from the past, I don't think it is the answer to everything. I think mental health requires a little bit of soul searching and digging. And for me personally, with my eating disorder, with any past trauma, I had to use a little bit of my faith as well as figuring out what, where are my needs? Where am I overgiving or overextending myself? And why do I do that? Why do I care to be a perfectionist? Why do I, all of these things, right? Um, Doing that type of therapy work will oftentimes heal the PTSD. If you have a traumatic event that is causing you to be in a constant fight or flight state to actually figure out what, what that PTSD is and actually healing from it is really important and eating a meat-based diet to have a clearer head and mind and a stronger body will, can help you do that hard work. So I don't think meat alone is the answer for that. Now there are some people that do heal, but I think sometimes doing a little bit of that therapy and searching within um, is very important to true healing. Um, Eating only beef. I have a whole blog post on that. I think if you're doing long-term carnivore, I do not recommend beef only. I know there are some people that eat only beef anecdotally. I have some clients that ate only beef and they didn't do as well. Um, There are nutrients that are missing in just beef only, even if you eat organ meat. So I will link to that blog post. I 
break out the specific nutrients. I think magnesium is one thiamine is another, but you want to definitely check that out. If you are going to eat meat only long-term, I recommend eating a rainbow or a variety of meats. Can I take one teaspoon of kelp flakes a day for iodine? So my interview with Lynn Farrow, they basically, her and Dr. Brownstein said that it's really hard to manage the dose of iodine and kelp. Also through the processing, you don't know if it's losing some of the iodine in the air. So the best bet is to supplement with Lugol's iodine. And I will put all of that again in the links. If you feel better with um, the kelp and you don't need the supplementation, maybe I think trusting your own body and what it's the feedback it's giving you to you is so important. But most of my clients are deficient in iodine. The more I'm doing the testing for iodine, it's showing deficiencies. So I don't know if the kelp will be enough, but you can always try it first. You can always get tested for your iodine status and see where you are. And then if you need some further supplementation from there, you can try it. Oxalates and kidney stones. Sally Norton is a great resource for all things oxalates. She has a book coming out. I'll probably have her on my channel soon to even talk about that. So make sure to check out her work. Um, she even sells a beginner's guide for like $2. So you want to check that out. But yes, uh, oxalates can absolutely cause kidney stones. When you uh, get kidney stone removal, and then the this conventional care gives you a form of what to eat after a kidney stone diet removal, they will put you on a low oxalate diet. So they'll say no spinach, no dark chocolate, no almond. So it's really interesting. They don't really talk about oxalate specifically, but they'll put you on a low oxalate diet. Too much protein in one sitting for the body. Yes. Um, if you have low energy after a meal, or um, and again, low energy can be from so many things. It could be from poor digestion. It could be that you're eating too much protein. The best thing to do is to check your blood sugar. So check your blood sugar right before you eat and then check it about two to three hours after you eat. If your blood sugar goes up higher than maybe 30 points, um, milligrams per deciliter, I don't know what it is for millimolar, sorry, but um, if it goes up more than 30 points, you're probably consuming too much protein than your body can handle. So I would break up your meals into smaller meals. So maybe you eat four to five small meals a day. And then over time, as you can tolerate more where your energy is consistent and you feel good, then maybe you can eat more protein in a meal. In general, I recommend one gram of protein per one pound of ideal body weight. Okay. Constipation on keto. It depends on where you are in your journey. If you are eating a lot of cheese that can cause constipation, I have a whole video on constipation and why that may be the case on a meat-based diet. So I will link to it below. Make sure to watch that. There's a bunch of tips and what you can do about it, but um, I'd make sure to make, get your electrolytes in make sure you're drinking enough water possibly sole water, some salt, and then make sure you're not eating too lean of protein and too much cheese. Salt and electrolytes, how many grams of sodium per day? This is really bio-individual. And if you're a fast oxidizer versus a slow, this is where your hair mineral will be really important for knowing that about you. Um, but in general, I just recommend people make the sole water in the morning. I'll put a link to how to make the sole water. But I say start with a teaspoon in the morning and then salt liberally through the day on your meats. And then if one teaspoon doesn't seem enough, like you're still getting leg cramps, you just don't feel well, your energy is low, then try one tablespoon. And then if you're doing heavier exercise, you're sweating more, you may need to increase that. Go by your symptoms. There's no one answer for everyone. We are all so different. Um, I know that some people say like three to five teaspoons is sufficient. 
you can start with just trying to get three teaspoons. So maybe you add some to your sole water and then you salt in whatever amount is left over of that three teaspoons. You just kind of dump it in some water and drink it. You could do that, but I would just kind of go with your symptoms. Try a little bit of the Soleil water in the morning, which has like 70 to 80 more trace minerals. And that's why I'm a fan of it. Um, And it's unrefined. So you'll get the true minerals and then um, just salting your foods and then see how you feel with that. But I don't think there's a specific amount for every person because we are so different. Soleil water versus electrolyte powders. Um, I've tried LMNT. I've tried keto chow. I think keto chow is pretty good. I've even tried one called light show. That one's pretty good too. The element tea is pretty good when I'm on the go. It is a little sweet for me. So I don't like that part of it. If it helps you to stay consistently carnivore, then I'm fine with that. But in general, I found that when I am using the dry sauna, I feel best with, if I even use the element tea, that I have to add a little bit of the sole water and I feel better balanced. You're just going to have to figure out what works best for you. I don't think anything is as economical and as effective as just taking sole water. But sole water is not convenient, right? You can't carry it around unless you pour it in your water bottle. But if you're traveling, for example, or on a trip, it's probably easier to just carry an elementy, keto chow, light show, any of those things. Find what works for you. But I think on a day-to-day basis, probably sole water is my preferred source of electrolytes. Amenorrhea on carnivore, how much fat? So a lot of my clients had amenorrhea they ate 70 to 80% fat in terms of total calories, and they got their period back and they get it consistently. So if you, um, I don't know what your weight is, but for example, here, let me show you a meal. Okay. So this is my kind of go-to meal. This is for somebody that weighs between 115 to maybe 145 pounds. And that's the ideal weight. Um, This is the amount that I would recommend. So at least 117 grams of protein. And then this is 167 grams of fat. So that would put you at 76% fat. So if you do not have your period or you have hormonal imbalances or you have thyroid imbalances, I definitely recommend that you eat at least this amount. Again, if your ideal body weight is about 115 to 145 pounds, I put all of it under breakfast. Obviously, this is for throughout the day. I would recommend eating this in two to three meals. Um, But basically, you want to get to about 70% fat in terms of total calories, at least 70 to 80%. If you eat this consistently, and now don't eat like 900 calories and then get to 75% fat because that is under eating. You want to at least eat about 1800 calories for any height you are. So if you are eating at least 1800 calories and your fat is about 70 to 80%, I would be, and you're eating nutrient dense foods, right? So not just like protein powders, egg white powders, but real whole foods. I would be surprised if you don't get your period back. And then when you get your period back, you could try to dial down the fat and see where you can lower it to. Um, I don't normally recommend anything under 65% fat in terms of total calories. Usually the sweet spot for women is 70, but figure that out. But there is a period where you need to heal, where you need a little bit excess before you could taper down to the maintenance amount. Okay. Fats to add to meat and then how to digest fat better. I have a whole podcast, YouTube episode about how to digest fat, especially if you have loose stools. Um, If you're not digesting fat, there are some supplements I recommend. I'll put that in the show notes. 
it's tricky because not everyone's the same. There's some people that it's the lack of bile. Some people it's the lack of digestive enzymes, or you've been eating carbs for so long and your pancreas isn't producing enough digestive enzymes. Some people it's choline. Some people it's a B vitamin. It really depends. Some people it's like, they just need to eat one avocado or a little bit of veggies to slow down the, the motility until they are properly healing. So it really depends. There's no answer. Watch the video. And then in terms of fats, um, really any animal fats is good. Um, obviously the higher quality, the better ideally eat the pasture raised grass finished versions. But if you can only get the conventional, I don't think it moves the needle enough. I mean, I've seen so many clients that eat conventional and they're healing a ton. So I wouldn't stress about that until you're stalling or something is not going well. And then you can use that as a lever later on. Um, but fats, um, I think fat works is a great option. If you don't render your own fats, I'll link to that. And then, um, but just any animal fats, some people, um, eating too much saturated fats isn't ideal just based on their genetics. So I recommend some cleaner olive oils. I'll put that in the show notes, but you can do that. If you are want to focus more on mono and saturated fats, it is not ideal to just grab any olive oil or avocado oil because a lot of times they are cut with bad seed oils, but there's one brand I do trust. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, otherwise any animal fats is good. And I don't really pick and choose. You can do dairies like butter, but sometimes the saturated fats will make other people gain some extra weight that they don't. Is it important to get into ketosis? I personally think so. Um, there are some clients that eat a little bit of carbs throughout the day. So they're maybe at 0.1. So ideal ketones are 0.5 to one and above. There are some clients that are never at 0.5 because they're eating little bits of carbs every day. And so their energy is tanking though, right? Because they're not producing enough ketones for energy, but then they have still some amounts of glucose in their system and their body's trying to still use that, but there's not enough of the glucose to get sustained energy from that. So you don't want to be in that hard place because it's really not fun. It's kind of like going through the keto flu without all the body aches, but it's just that level of fatigue. So either I would up the fat and maybe lower the protein just by a little bit, but eating sufficient protein and then making sure that you're in a state of ketosis. Um, I did an interview with Dom Augustino where you may want to check that out. And he talks about the ketone numbers and why it's important. I personally usually have about 1.0 ketones. I generally have a lot of ketones. When I was in a ketogenic diet, I used to have 7.0, 6.0 on average. So I know I run higher, but I know that when my ketones are lower than 0.5, I don't feel as energetic as when I have 0.5 and above. So I do think ketones matter. The most accurate version is your breath, but um, I just use the prick test and I just test in the morning, even though Dom doesn't agree with doing it in the morning, but I think there's so many it's just, um, everything is kind of consistent in the morning. It's just when you wake up after you didn't eat for a certain amount, after you slept for a certain amount. And so I like to use that, but he thinks between lunch and dinner is the most accurate, but I think so many different factors can come into play, whether it's exercise, stress in the day and all that, and what you even ate in the meals. So for me, I like breakfast, but I know Dom is an expert in this. So maybe checking between lunch and dinner is more ideal and seeing where your ketones are at that time. Blood work change in beginning versus when you're in. There are differences in blood work. As long as your blood work, your um, 
your GGT, your, your insulin, your cortisol, your blood sugar, your CRP, your, you know, all the alphabet letters of the blood work. I have the whole sheet in the carnivore cure bonus. So you can look it up in there, but as long as those numbers are staying consistent, they're within range and you feel good, then I wouldn't worry too much about blood work differences. Now, if your insulin is going up over time or your cortisol or your, or your inflammation markers, like your CRP, your high sensitivity CRP or C reactive protein, then you may have to change your macro. Some people over time, as they were eating high fat at 80% total calories, as they are healing, then maybe they only need to eat 70% fat because now if they eat 80, their body feels kind of heavier and they feel weighed down and they just feel tired and their energy is not as good. I definitely don't add as much fat as I used to, but I still have to eat high fat. So I'm probably closer to 70, 75, whereas before I was eating 80. And now if I don't eat enough fat, then I get cravings and I'm, I'm like constantly hungry and wanting to go into the pantry. So I know my sweet spot, but you just have to get there and then do your blood work to make sure that things are normal. There's markers that may be different than the standard American diet or like your LDL may be higher. Your T3 may be lower than the norm. You have to go by how you feel. My T3 is lower. Now I need to get it tested. It's been a while, but a few, like two years ago, it was lower than normal. I feel fine. And I was breastfeeding. I breastfed my son for five years. My menses is consistent every month. So I'm not as worried about that. And it's, Sometimes normal to have low T3. Um, we have T3 in our peripheral tissues. There is some in our gut. So we just don't know for getting it all measured in our blood. And maybe this is the new norm for carnivores. Again, you have to go by your symptoms. Obviously, I work so much. So if I wasn't energized by this diet, my T3 being low, and then it would be indicative in my lack of being able to produce work, right? So even though there are some advocates that say that I'm hypothyroid, but so if you feel well, then just, um, just keep going, but make sure to check your blood work and work with someone that knows how to read carnivore blood work. I will link to a few people down in the show notes as well. All right. Last one, sleep on carnivore. I did research on sleep, um, in carnivore cure, but other than that, there are more nuanced discussions that I did a whole podcast on cutting against the grain with Laura Spath. So check that out. I will put the link for that episode in the show notes, I highly recommend watching that because I actually did notes on do we need carbs for a carnivore diet if we're not able to sleep well and why carbs seem to help us sleep well. And I did the science around that. So if you've tried everything, maybe you need a little bit of carbs, but check out that podcast because it goes into a lot more details. And if I try to explain it right now in like five minutes, I would be doing a great disservice. So make sure to check that out. Okay, guys, this was the full episode of Q&As. I know I kind of rushed through it because there was a ton of questions. Make sure to check out the other links in the show notes that will answer a lot of these in further detail and will help you find your way to optimal health. There is no one answer of macros and supplements and diet and carbs and everything um, that is the right answer for everyone. We have to find our own answers for our diet. And that's why you will never get from me that this is the answer. A meat-based or a meat-only elimination diet is great to start and heal the gut, ensure your gut is absorbing the most nutrients. And then from there, you can figure out what levers you want to pull, uh, whether you want to add in carbs for flexibility, not for optimal health, but then you could figure out what you can do for the long-term because any diet, the key to health and optimization is that you can do it for the long-term and consistently. And if meat only does not allow you to be consistent on most days, then adding maybe some carbs so that you can be more consistent is fine. You have to figure out what works for you, but you have to be honest with yourself to know what really works for you then rather than just rationalization. 
I know for me, a meat-based diet and mostly meat on most days or meat only is what's ideal for me, but that's not for everyone. And you just have to find what works for you. All right, guys, make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.